but there's another one of them funny podcast things, isn't it? What's this one about? Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. So this episode is a little unusual uh, in that I open with a Shea Webster-like um, look at how my uh, AD&D campaign is shaping up. And I asked myself some questions about the uh, system, uh, in particular the combat system. So hopefully that's not too boring for you. Um, after that, or in between there or wherever, I also uh, examined some of the uh, very kind call-ins that I had uh, from members of the Anchorite community. So um, thanks to everybody. It's quite a simple one this time. I hope it's not too much of a... Um, not not too boring, not too self-indulgent. See what you think. Yesterday I had my ninth session of my Greyhawk campaign, which is basically the Village of Homlet, uh, the module by uh, 1979, I believe, by uh, Gary Gygax. And anyway, that's all in the bag. Uh, it was the longest session uh, that we've, unbroken session that is, that we've managed to have uh, to date. Um, roughly about seven hours of play, which is not bad for a bunch of old geezers. Well, you know, obviously there's a couple of younger guys in there, but anyways. Um, so <clears throat> there was a little bit of time spent on uh, character maintenance. Um, part of that is um, not not to uh, sort of uh, get on anybody's case, but one of the guys lost his character sheet I didn't sort of check on it, check up on his uh, stats or stuff that, and uh, we ended up basically having to re-call uh, his character and uh, put that back on a character sheet. So that took a, a few, few minutes of uh, well, about twenty minutes or so, and also um, there was a level up during, uh, not during play but uh, during the session, and uh, they went back to base to to rest as one of the uh, characters had also been knocked down below zero hit points or two zero hit points and he required uh, healing you know because in the old rules of uh, AD&D if you go to zero or less hit points it takes you roughly a week to recover um, I'm kind of playing around with the time there um, just to make it a little bit more fluid rather than a, a set uh, seven days but I think it's a good idea I don't like the idea of um, characters springing up you know with sudden surges of power or heal magical healing no i don't don't think that's very good i think they should be concussed and injured and possibly feverish for some days after severe wounds uh, if not you know um as gary gygax suggests in the dmg if they go below minus five they should perhaps get some um the possibility of permanent uh injuries you know such as loss of limbs or uh uh, damage, brain damage, and so on, and you know, that uh, that brings on the possibility that you might want to retire the character, even if they are not dead. 
anyway uh, that's another subject altogether so um <clears throat> yeah uh, we did get uh, a lot of things in and there were some interesting developments um, when they did go back to town i suggested well i kind of rolled and um one of the characters felt that the people were keeping a watch on them some they couldn't quite get to the root of uh the cause for that who who was watching them and so they started to be quite suspicious trying to trying to see if there was somebody spying on them on them or not and uh after talking to the the tavern uh, owner this is the inn of the welcome wench you know uh ostler they they chat to the guy and he and uh, they talk about the locals and and the people that come through the the village and they decide to sort of go over and have a chat to some of the adventurers um who have been coming in and out over the over the weeks or, or even yeah over the weeks that they've been in the town and so while some of them distract the adventurers with uh gambling uh, the thief goes and sneaks up uh, goes outside sneaks um sneaks up and climbs the wall gets in Jimmy's Jimmy's the uh, window gets through the window and starts searching for any incriminating evidence of these guys. Um, it was a bit of a red herring, although the adventurers were did have uh, did have um, plans uh, that involved uh, the party, and um, that came about actually the next day when they set forth they decided to be a little bit more cautious than normal so as the main part of the the party headed onto the moat house in the marshlands just outside of the village uh, the thief stayed back a little and set out later and tried to see if there's anyone tailing them um now just to cut a long story short uh they found discovered that um there was a party um, they were informed actually that a party was uh, of of adventurers had been uh, hired um, to go and uh, assault them as they were in the uh, keep and obviously you know plunder their corpses so finding this information they set up an ambush at the uh, head of the uh, moat house and they attacked from the walls which they'd scaled using the thief and rope and the uh, the attackers unfortunately didn't have any missile weapons uh which was a an oversight on their part and uh, perhaps on my part i could have equipped them a bit more but there was nothing under the sheets that suggested they had missile weapons it was just the mage who um threw a uh sleep spell over two of the characters um uh the elf naturally having uh, 90% resistance to charm and sleep uh, made that so it only knocked out the ranger but uh all in all yeah they overcome a superior overcame a superior attack force simply on the grounds that they chose their uh, position very wisely and uh, were ready for for an attack so um what happened is they they now have all these items and there were a couple of magic items in there too not least of which was a ring of invisibility now uh, I don't know how you play AD&D, but I think the, the items come with an XP. Um, they generate XP for the players who obtain those items. 
um, uh, as do, do gold. And now there were a bunch of gems worth quite uh, quite an amount of money on the corpses of um, the various uh, fallen enemy uh, adventurers. So they now they basically got um, a huge amount of experience points on top of the little boost they'd got mid mid uh, uh, session. So now uh, I'm in the difficult position of them being able, some of them being able to level up two levels in a single session. Now this is a this is a no no as far as I'm concerned. It's just too fast. And um, as you're probably all thinking, well, you know, Gygax in DMG says, no, you don't do that. You know, don't let them go up so fast. If a character has got more experience or gets enough experience to level up uh, more than one level, you cap it at one point just below the second level. Um, And I think I think I need to do that um, because otherwise it's just too much. So I'm going to cap their experience points so they've they're just below or they're going up if they're eligible to go up a level because they didn't go up previously I'll let them go up one but yeah I'll cap it and hopefully they'll not be too upset about that but it means next session they're definitely all gonna go up a level you know um, once we finish the the play and they get back to town and able to do that so that's a lot of things to cover there um um so that's what happens when you get fame and fortune, you know, it brings trouble. And um, I've let them wander in and out, in and out of this dungeon for uh, probably about six weeks of game time, you know, without any incriminations, uh, without any, um, uh, not incriminations, but uh, any uh, negative effects. That's not quite right, you know, um, there's an intelligent uh, force operating not to not to drop any spoilers in case my players are listening there's an intelligent force operating within the uh, area and so they they probably a few weeks ago would um, have realised that um, the trouble at the top of the keep has started to penetrate within the into the uh, grounds below and and uh, possibly under uncover some of uh some of their uh, operations below the moat house this is something that they are starting to re- the players are starting to realize so yeah um if you start coming back with cartloads of gold and and uh or in and injured warriors and people are gonna notice you know and this is what happened um obviously somebody's noticed the adventurers have got jealous these poor um raiding adventurers got jealous uh and decided to sort of uh go you know go and uh, see if they can steal away what the uh, the party had won through their own hard work or uh, yeah if you can call it that so um a couple of things come up so obviously this xp overload was one issue um that concerned me a little bit although it does help that they're finally not first level you know they're, they're in the second uh the thief is a third level thief now it really 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 helps because the party size oh, it's just four four players now and uh these older older adventures can be quite uh tough and a lot of the com- 
combats they've done have been very very tough indeed you know usually one person goes down and has to be hospitalized per adventure and they don't have a cleric you know and that's something they've decided to do is try and hire a hire a cleric but that's the one point and the the other point that occurs to me is um the ad and uh, rules and the way they handle the combat round and this kind of regimentized sequence of actions can lead to some kind of really unusual uh, situations. What I mean by that is uh, if you've got people who are able to move, um, and it's a one minute round, so you've got people who are capable of moving 120 feet, um, uh, and that's indoors, right? So outdoors it would be even more, it would be in yards. You get these crazy situations where if people win the initiative they can move an incredible amount of distance uh, and and then the combatants who've prepared their actions aren't even able aren't able to intercept them they can't stop them even if they move nearby and <clears throat> I need to sort of stop that I think I need to make it more fluid and organic the way that the, the combat round operates and the initiative I'm starting to realize the initiative can be a quite a sort of weird thing a kind of counterintuitive thing I think it was um, Secrets of Blackmoor the movie uh, Secrets of Blackmoor's um, producer director uh, by the name of Griff a guy called Griff he he, uh, says he never uses initiative he uses uh, original D&D and uh, actions within the minute or however long the, the, the time frame is are considered basically to happen together they're a flurry of blows and so on and so forth so it's not one person gets the blow in first and can take down the opponent um if two if the enemy and the if you and the uh opponent both hit and that those hits and that damage is is considered to have occurred uh, even if one of the um one of the individuals f- falls down or, or is overcome due to their wounds um, that's his take on it. I'm not sure if I want to get rid of initiative, but I do need to do something about the round. Um, and there's a couple of fixes that I am considering about that. that I'll talk to or, or, or um, address uh, in a in a few moments. I think. So how do I handle the issue? Um, that I, or the issues that I have, at least, with the combat round, um, and also with combat in general. Uh, I've said previously that I do use the attack matrices. This is AD&D, after all. Uh, and this obviously requires a lot of uh, cross-referencing, you know, for each character, or uh, based on their level, their class, and likewise with monsters. Uh, so you're always looking up at the AC level and so on. Uh, those of you who know, uh, well, you know the shorthand rules in the first edition uh, DMG or the uh, proper rules in the second edition of the uh, AD&D, you'll know that uh, they brought brought in to hit armor class zero, uh, Thako, which was a shorthand way of uh, and a simple calculation for working out whether you hit or not. Uh, was simple perhaps back then uh, other people will say it, it's not so simple but 
Uh, I don't agree. Anyway, well, um, also, uh, I do use weapon uh, attack modifiers uh, so that, say, a Morning Star has advantages over certain types of uh, armor as compared to a dagger. Uh, this this shows how certain weapons were used to uh, overcome the defense provided by heavy armor. Uh, and it's, I guess, it's an attempt by Gary Gygax to simulate um, medieval combat within his fantasy setting. Uh, it's a very cumbersome system, usually, but as I have said before, I incorporate those weapon modifiers into the individualized uh, to hit scores for each character and I keep them in front of me. So for example I have uh, character A, uh, say that character A has a longsword, uh, longbow and a dagger, well I'll have the t hits for each of those main weapons and I know it sounds awful but it's actually if you've only got four characters four players it's not as difficult as it might seem you know you can have it all of their to hits uh, numbers for each weapon laid out in front of you on a one simple table uh, you just got to keep on adjusting it as they level up or uh, change their weapons or whatever it might be well okay so that's the current system i use the problem i'm having is that looking at all the tables is time-consuming and I want to be able to do stuff I want combat to fly by and I'm not getting that uh, using the old AD&D combat system now that's I suppose you could say is the nature of the beast so I've now decided that I need to consider two pos options Obviously, uh, perhaps you could say three options. Like the third option being that I change nothing and continue on. But uh, the two options uh, as fixes or innovations um, considering are one, I I maintain the I keep this the same A D and D base, but I start bringing in some house rules uh, or even just simple rulings. So, for example, in my previous. Uh, um, in my previous chat I mentioned that the uh, opponents the enemy adventurers had moved past they won the initiative they moved past through the gatehouse and bypassed the uh, the the defences of the of the uh, adventurers they had set up you know some cow drops and, and uh, oil and stuff and they were able to sort of use their movement bypass and get through uh, without the um without the our heroes being able to sort of like light the oil and uh, burn them or anything and i i ruled off the cuff that um even though the adventurers had lost their initiative it was ridiculous that they would be able to sort of lead their dismount lead their dismount uh bypass the caltrops and uh, get through into the courtyard uh, without them having an opportunity to um throw down a torch from the battlements onto the oil that they had laid there it just seemed a bit ridiculous so i uh ruled that they could do that uh, even though technically 
they should have been able to complete their movement of 120 feet or however much um, um, uh, and got past. So, um, yeah, rulings is one way. Uh, another w- way would be to maintain the AD&D as a base, uh, obviously, you know, skills and so, f- so on and so forth, but consider adopting a 10-second round and adjusting movement and so on accordingly. Um, that would mean that rather than having these really kind of abstract and strange sort of uh, one-minute rounds where the party can move and do moves and then stops and waits and then somebody else moves and stops and waits and it becomes all very kind of like your turn, my turn. Uh, at least it's kind of like a broken down a little bit. It's a bit shorter. It's all a bit faster. You can sort of adapt a little bit more. Um, and... Uh, Another thing I could do, I suppose, is consider allowing people to be a little bit more fluid with how they react or or don't react, rather than, uh, as is the case with AD&D, saying exactly what they're going to do beforehand, and then having those plans completely destroyed (laughs) because the enemy won the initiative and did something completely unexpected. Um, Now... uh, so that's another option. Another option again is with the this refers specifically to attack matrices. I could just ditch the bastards. Oh, excuse me, bad word. I could just ditch them, and I could get rid of the attack matrices and all that uh, detail, and instead adopt a uh, go modern and adopt a very simple system such as the uh, ascending armor class system, which is very easy to work out based on this you know uh, by inverting i guess uh, descending armor class and i have that and then uh, give each character a uh, kind of attack uh, bonus you know what would now be called in fifth edition um a proficiency bonus so give them attack bonuses based on their level by working out uh, how much they're they each class increases in, in uh, combat uh, proficiency as they level up Right, so that's one kind of a vague, uh, uh, a vague collection of, of uh, possible uh, fixes or improvements that I could make to the AD&D core just to, just to have it feel smoother and faster. Uh, the other thing uh, is a little bit more drastic, and it involves, perhaps, uh, for a session or two, uh, converting to um, old school essentials using the advanced uh, core rules Um, it would be quite a big jump but if the players were willing to try it out um, I think that old school essentials OSE I'll abbreviate from that one um, does a lot of things from uh, D&D, well it's basically the same as the old basic and expert BX uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, but laid out very well and smoothly uh, clearly rather um, but what it does with um, the advanced core rules is it then opens up those um, old BX type rules to the options, the greater options or of uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you all know this, or many of you will know this, and I think it does it better than advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It's clearer, 
and it's less um, uh, there's some less oddity in it let's say if you look at for example the way the barbarian class is treated or the cavalier is treated or the 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 races are treated now that's another thing of course races class classes race well you can have separate those in the uh, OSE advanced core rules so I could uh, convert most of what the the AD&D PCs uh, are able to do convert that more or less directly into uh, OSE and uh, of course you know I could then use the 10 second round the the um, rather modified or um, more simplified uh, order of of uh, well, sequence of actions within the round and see if that works um, that's a more drastic fix but um, it's certainly something worth thinking about um, yeah but if I if I if that's too much for them and uh, I know the players or some of the players at least do want to stick to the old rules of advanced dungeons and dragons excuse me um, well then I can still house rule it a bit and bring in many of those um, old um, BX uh, basic expert um, um, uh, factors or uh, um, elements uh, including the more modern ones such as ascending armor class and just see how it goes um I can see if I do that, it then opens a tin of worms, potentially, in that, um, well, for example, some weapons then become defunct, because if you're not using the uh, attack modifiers, then there's no point of using, um, for example, there's no point of using a a mace unless you're a cleric. or sorry a hammer for example or a lucerne hammer is a better example something that punches through armor very well um no point in using that just use a longsword you know if they both um penetrate plate armor equally there is no real kind of um problem there's no question of which weapon you should use it's clearly the the one that deals uh the more damage and is lighter and shorter um so a whole bunch of mixed up uh questions there to myself so this is a little bit more of a sort of diary um uh confession today but uh, things that i want to look at as i go forward and and uh hopefully i can do this without being the great dictator and I'll ask the players for input on these things. If I do make any large um, changes or suggest any large changes, I'll do it on a on a um, provisional basis and just try it out for say two sessions, just and see how it goes and get some feedback. And we can always switch. It's not going to break the game. Certainly not in the way that I've described it um, to this point anyway because there's so many similarities anyway right that's got that off my chest so uh, back to the other um, other things that I would like to cover in this episode thanks for listening
So let's open the post bag. I've got a few uh, messages here. The first one is from Jason at Nerds RPG Variety Cast. The second is from Spencer. Lots of craziness from him. Um, keep off the borderlands, of course. Uh, and finally, uh, Shay Webster from Roleplay Rescue. Here they are. Great episode on the Mentor Box set. Um, you're not wrong with the IP stuff, it, but but I don't want to get into that. What I want to get into is the box set and nostalgia and memories because the Mensa Red Box was my first D&D set as well. And in fact, my mother is also the one, you know, my mother gave me my set as well. So it wasn't Christmas, I don't believe. I, I honestly don't remember. It might have been a birthday. But but regardless, you know, mom gave it to me. So, you know, I, I definitely can share in some of that nostalgia with you. Um, we never actually played BX. Um, we played the Beck Me, and we also played, which I had, I still have all those, pass them on to my son, and AD&D. We moved from Beck Me on to AD&D and then kind of back and forth. Um, and I was out before second edition and poor rule cyclopedia and all that. I was in the army and, and all. I totally agree with you that it is the perfect introduction to a non-role player. If you have somebody that had not role played before, giving them that Mensa red box provides them the tools. And yeah, there's some complications in there, but I think it really does a good job of introducing a new player. The solo dungeons, great. The, the way it does the concepts. I, I just really think it's one of your, your, one of the best executions of a beginner box set. Um, I've talked to Che Webster about that in the past and, you know, I really believe that's one of the best examples out there of an introductory set. I wish more products would follow its examples. Um, yeah, and, and I agree with you. Really, the, the Beck Me line is a great line. As I get older, you know, I got BX as an adult. I, I've come to appreciate BX. If I had to pick one to play now, it'd probably be BX because you have a, just two 64-page books. I think they're 64 pages. And and so there's, a, there's less to do. But honestly, I've moved past. I don't know if I'd use any of the, if I had the choice, I don't think I'd use any D&D system, any TSR, you know, any of those base systems anymore. I think I'd move on and use the Black Hack or Barbarians Lemuria or, you know, one of these other games. But if I had to use one, a simple, you know, pick one that would be easier to introduce to people to where I was teaching them, it would probably be BX or now OSE. And if I had to, hand one to somebody and say, learn it yourself. It'd definitely be the Mint's Red Box. So really enjoyed the review. Looking forward to your next episode. Take care. Thanks, Jason. That's uh, yeah, I really appreciate the message. I think you've um, summed it up really well. Um, yes, I'm struggling with AD&D at the moment, as you can uh, hear from this, uh, this uh, episode of my podcast, but I, I still feel very uh, much attached to the first edition and the early editions of D&D. Uh, but I, I also believe that I'll have a little look around other, uh, other games and systems as well uh, in due course. So, yes, uh, I am very much um, quite curious about Barbarians of Lemuria and uh, the Black Hack. So thanks very much. Look forward to hearing you from you soon. Um, so the next message is from Spencer. 
Yes, it's Spencer. Let's see what he's got to say. Hello, Rob, or Minion, if you prefer. Uh, it's Spencer here from Keep Off The Borderlands, and I've just been catching up on a few of your episodes, and I have to say I was highly impressed by your home county's accent, shall we say. Um, really was not perfect the way you were able to slip in and out of it. Um, and no doubt it puts my Scottish accent to shame. So, thank you for that. But I have to say, Rob, that your impression of me leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, especially for your Smeagol. I, I, I bow down and worship at your feet. Very good stuff. Thanks. Please call again, sir. Hello, Rob. It's Che from Roleplay Rescue. Just uh, calling in relating to the episode in which you start to talk about The Hobbit. I am, unfortunately, a week or two behind in my podcast uh, stuff because I've been on holiday and uh, out and about with my wife rather than listening. But I've just really enjoyed it. And I just wanted to say I thought your readings um, and obviously your performance of various characters within The Hobbit were just fantastic. So evocative. And I loved it. So thank you. Um, and your thoughts were interesting. So please, um, just keep podcasting. I'm loving it and uh, really wanted to let you know how much I appreciate what you're doing. Game on. Thanks very much, Jay. Um, yeah, I'll keep podcasting if you keep podcasting. I heard in your last or one of your most recent uh, episodes that you were thinking of throwing in the towel. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, although I do understand that everybody does this. Uh, for fun and uh, it is a lot of work but certainly um, you're one of the persons uh, that uh, really does uh, so much work and uh, puts so much thought into uh, these uh, anchor uh, podcasts so it would be a shame if you suddenly the channel went silent I hope that doesn't happen anyway thanks for always uh, for your great support Bye-bye. Again, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for listening to this podcast and especially to the people who called in and have been giving me advice and uh, encourage very kind words of encouragement on Twitter and here on Anchor. Um, yes, I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to keep on uh, keeping on with it and um, look forward to listening to more of your podcasts as well as your call-ins. So thanks very much and thank you for listening. This is Manion, also known as Rob, signing out. Nanu, nanu.